Live to Tell by Madonna was released in March 1986 and was the first pairing with long-term collaborator Patrick Leonard. And it also marked Madonna's debut as a producer, sharing the credit with the partner who would help her shape her highest-selling album, the landmark LP True Blue. Fittingly, Live to Tell sets a new standard in the performer's career, which saw her move from radio-friendly pop singer to global superstar, with the song reaching number one in Canada, Greece, Italy and the US. It's narrowly missed the top spot in the UK, but has, however, sold 331,000 copies to date in that territory alone. It would also be the official unveiling for a new look for Madonna, leaving behind the crucifixes, bangles and oversized clothes in favour of a simplified style which reflected the great actresses of Hollywood from the 30s and 40s. As part of the soundtrack for Sean Penn's latest movie, the video would include shots from his new film intertwined with studio footage of Madonna looking her most beautiful, stood alone in a darkly lit soundstage. The song's lyrics would also mark the first time Madonna would sing about her childhood, and with a newly developed poeticism, a leap away from the material on her first two albums. Meanwhile, the record's backing track featured stark, dark synths, 80s guitar licks, and would run to nearly six minutes long. The song's origin is the story of one heck of a dramatic day in the life of co-writer Patrick Leonard, and we'll be listening to the isolated tracks from the recording session, much of which originates from the day when it was first written. So, for now, sit back, listen, because now you'll hear, now you'll learn, and now you'll know as we go Inside the Groove. Hello, my name is Edward Russell and thank you once again for listening to this podcast. Thank you also for the positive feedback you continue to give me on Twitter, Instagram and now on Facebook as well. And I know I say this every week, but it really does mean an awful lot to me that you are enjoying this so much. It's a lot of work, so to know that at least one person out there is enjoying it and having fun means I just want to do more and more of it. So long may the series continue. I had some really interesting feedback from the Give It To Me episode, including one person who is convinced that the Infinity backing track is indeed Timberland and Timberlake, not Pharrell. I think that's highly possible. It certainly sounds like their beats and possibly Justin's voice in the background as well. Someone also sent me what they think is a demo of Give It To Me from around that period, which sounds very, very different. There's some similarities in the lyrics. Um, I'm not entirely sure it's Madonna. Uh, It sounds a lot like her, but, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are trying to sound like her. So I'm dismissing it from the canon for the time being. And, as ever, at the end of this episode, I'll be talking to you about what to expect next. But now I just want to talk about Live to Tell. It's one of my absolute favourite Madonna songs. Yes, I know I say that about all of them. But it's true. Live to Tell really is a moment, a landmark moment in Madonna's career, where she went from being a great pop star to being, well, an artist, really. And I'm going to talk about that song today and explain why I think that is. And also listening to that, oh, you, you just, you wait till you hear Madonna's raw vocals. They sound phenomenal. So here we go with this week's episode on Live to Tell. 
First, we need to look back at Madonna's career over the previous 18 months, and it had really accelerated since she performed Like a Virgin at the first ever VMAs at the end of 1984. That song had then become a massive hit, and as 1985 dawned, she was looking forward to a year of non-stop success on the charts across the world. Following Virgin, she released Material Girl at the beginning in 1985. Then came a brand new track, Crazy Few, her first ballad, which was from a movie called Vision Quest. She then released Angel, and this was followed up by Into the Groove, which was a song from her movie, Desperately Seeking Susan. Now that movie was also released and was a huge hit, and it felt as if Madonna had opened a new pathway to her career as an actor. Incidentally, Into the Groove was never released as a single in the US, strangely enough, but was a massive hit elsewhere in the world, in particular in the UK. Next came Dress You Up, followed by Gambler, which was another song from the Vision Quest soundtrack. When the UK ran out of new material to release for Madonna as singles, they reverted to previous ones. Holiday and Borderline became hits, and for the Borderline it was the first time it actually entered the UK chart. As well as her movies, Madonna also performed. Her first major tour, and this was just across North America, was the Virgin Tour. She also performed at Live Aid, and this was a landmark moment, really establishing her as a global artist. Madonna launched the very first edition of Saturday Night Live in November of 1985, where she appeared in some comedy skits as Marilyn Monroe and Princess Diana. She even got to sing Aha's Take On Me. But it's important to actually dip into Madonna's private life a little bit as it leads to the story of Live to Tell. In February of 1985, she met actor Sean Penn and they began a love affair. And they were married on Madonna's 27th birthday in August of that year. It was supposed to be a private ceremony, but at this point, Madonna was so famous that was almost impossible to achieve. And the pair decided to act together and headed to Asia to film the movie Shanghai Surprise in December of 1985. But now we have to look at another player in the story of Live to Tell, and that's Patrick Leonard. Like Madonna, Patrick was also born in Michigan. He began playing piano at the age of three and was a very talented musician. He performed in a number of bands in the 1970s and also played for Frank Zappa. His big break came, however, in 1984 as musical director for the Jacksons on their Victory Tour. This directly led to him becoming the musical director for Madonna for her Like a Virgin Tour. So the job of the musical director is to take the songs that are going to be performed on the concerts and create versions that will work live and to work with the band to realise those versions and I suppose act as a conductor when the band is performing on tour. Patrick was also a songwriter and was naturally very keen to write and record something with Madonna. Apparently, he tried to get her attention a few times, would leave her cassettes of ideas, etc., but she never bit the bullet. That was until a day when he had a particular project that he thought might interest her. Pat had been approached by movie director Duncan Gibbon, whose new film Fire and Ice required a soundtrack, and he asked if Patrick would be interested in writing the score. 
Pat watched the movie and it just so happened he'd come up with a very simple musical signature that could work as part of a film score. So simple, in fact, that they are just four notes. Here they are now. Indeed, he'd go on to say in interviews that a really good pop hook needs to be only one or two bars long. I'm afraid I haven't been able to work out when Live to Tell was written. We know that Madonna had already written Love Makes the World Go Round with Patrick Leonard um, by the time that she performed the song for Live Aid in July. Nonetheless, Patrick has given a number of interviews about the writing and recording process for Live to Tell. He says that Madonna was on her way over to him, having agreed to help him write a song for the movie Fire and Ice, when he got another call from Duncan Gibbon to say that the producer of the film had already assigned somebody else to write the score, effectively firing Leonard from the project. Now, that was back in the day before mobile phones, and Pat had no way of contacting Madonna to stop her, so she arrived at his house. He told her the news, but she mentioned that Sean Penn was working on a new movie and they required music for that film, and so why not go ahead and give it a go? So he played her the composition, and she sat and wrote lyrics. And Pat has often talked about how he has a very traditional way of composing songs and he has no interest in modern pop music, or pop music of the 80s as it were there, uh, whereas Madonna was very switched on and she could always find a melody that cut through. Indeed, she took his basic song and created a top line and the full lyrics to the song in just a short period. They then recorded her vocal against a backing track at his home on an eight-track recorder. And that was it. According to Patrick, that one take of the vocal was all that was required and Madonna never sang the song again. He does wonder if they tried to do a vocal again, but it didn't quite work out. But hold that thought, because I'll be coming back to it a bit later on. Madonna left. Uh, she was off to see Sean Penn at Jamie Foley's house. Jamie was the director of the movie that Sean was working on at close range. So, just to recap, so far today, Patrick had been hired to do a movie, fired to do the movie, and had written Live to Tell with Madonna. But the day's not over. He was then off to Michael Jackson's house. Now he'd toured with Michael on the Jackson's Victory Tour, and he was due to help Michael write some songs for his next album, the follow-up to Thriller. They had a number of songwriting sessions where Patrick would play the keyboards, Quincy Jones was there, and Michael would come up with lyrical ideas and melodies, none of which would make it onto the bad album. However, it's possible that during these sessions, that's where Patrick developed the melody for the song that would become La Isla Bonita. Famously, Michael rejected it from his album, Madonna came up with the melody and lyrics, and the song also gave a credit to guitarist Bruce Gage. Now, I think, but I'm not certain, that's largely because his flamenco-style guitar inspired a lot of the melody that's in the song. But who knows? I could be wrong. Anyway, I digress. It was whilst he was at Michael's house that Patrick took a call from Sean Penn. Are you keeping up? This is like a soap opera. Anyway, Sean was at James Foley's house along with Madonna, who had played the demo version of Live to Tell. Sean said, can you come over? And Patrick said, well, I'm a little bit busy right now. 
But this was the point where he was asked if he could do the soundtrack for James's movie at close range. So, in the space of a day, and Patrick has said he's not 100% positive, but he's pretty sure it was all within one eight-hour period. He was hired for one movie and fired from that movie. He wrote Live to Tell. He worked with Michael Jackson. And then he was hired to do the soundtrack to At Close Range. That's one heck of a dramatic day, you've got to admit that. And as a little addendum to that story, at some point Madonna had said, well, yes, it's great, but who are we going to get to sing the song? Of course, everyone said, well, you, Madonna. And she thought that was a bad idea. It wasn't in her normal range. It's much deeper than she normally sang at the time. But of course, the rest is history. As you know, Madonna's version of Live to Tell became a huge hit and was the first song from the album True Blue. So before we dissect the multi-track for the song, let's talk about those beautiful lyrics. In my opinion, this is the first truly great lyric that Madonna wrote. It's certainly a lot deeper than the songs that she had composed before, such as Into the Groove or Lucky Star. And of course, Madonna was reaching back into her own past to write this story. The film, A Close Range, by the way, is about a son's relationship with his father. So that whole tie of Madonna's own personal relationship with her father, which would come out much more in songs like Oh Father and Mother and Father in the future, has its seed set in this song. In a 2009 interview with Rolling Stone, Madonna said, Sometimes when I'm writing songs, I'm just channeling. I could say that Live to Tell was about my childhood, my relationship with my parents, my father and my stepmother, but maybe not. It could be about something in an F. Scott Fitzgerald novel or a story that I once heard. It's true, but it's not necessarily autobiographical. And then in March 2015, Madonna told Mojo of the song, It was kind of inspired by the movie and family secrets and the songs that make you who you are, but you don't necessarily want to share. Mix that in with my own childhood and my own growing up and all that. My real experiences get mixed in with things that I imagine. Well, it's certainly a beautiful song. And let's take it apart now, track by track. First of all, we have the drums. That's running around 110 beats per minute and it's at half tempo. And I'm pretty sure that's our trusty Lindrum machine there. The kick and snare sound very familiar. Um, they are held on the multi-track in a mixed down stereo form. So they are together rather than the individual tracks. And the reverb that you can hear, very large 80s reverb on the snare drum there, is actually on the multi-track as well. So there's no way of picking that apart. But I am pretty sure that that is a live hi-hat cymbal being played uh, alongside it. So it's quite possible they got a drummer in to overdub the cymbals, perhaps just to give it more of an organic feel. So it's probably Jonathan Moffat, whose drumming was very tight. And incidentally, Jonathan Moffat got a credit for hi-hat on the I'm Breathless album for the song Back in Business. The rest of the song is a drum machine. So that's a precedent, possibly started with Live to Tell. Then of course you've got the bass line, that long drawn out synth bass. And the main keyboard part, which is a sort of piano and string sound played together. It's 
a really lovely sound anyway, and Pat's playing really brings it alive. You've got a couple of synth parts. I really like this synth riff. And also these synth pizzicato strings. And this beautiful atmospheric pad, which is kind of the sound of traffic going past. You hear this a lot in the breakdown in the middle of the song. Next up, you've got some guitar, some rhythm guitar. And also for the song's fuller moments, you have this power guitar. Next up, before we go to Madonna's main vocals, let's listen to her backing vocals. Here's a lovely part. You've also got this wonderful whispered section. How will they hear? When will they learn? How will they know? Interestingly, with Madonna's lead vocal, she's not wearing headphones. It sounds very much, from listening closely to the multi-track, that she is singing along to speakers in the studio. They're very faint, but they are there. It's a different sort of sound than you get from the spill that comes from a headphone. Um, it's much more echoey, and I'm pretty sure that's how it's being recorded. And there could be all sorts of reasons for that. Perhaps Madonna just felt she was able to perform a bit better if she was hearing the music in that way. So let's listen to the first few bars. I have a tale to tell Sometimes it gets so hard to hide it well now, this is where it gets interesting, because if you recall, Patrick Leonard said that it's Madonna's first take from the day they recorded and onto the 8-track recording. That was what was on the record. He says they may have tried it, but it never sounded quite the same again, and so they used that very first take. But I'm not quite so sure. If you listen closely to the multitrack, in the section between Madonna's singing, you can hear the guitar coming through on the playback. Listen to this. Now, that would suggest, of course, that when Madonna recorded her vocal, the guitar part had already been recorded. Um, and nowhere in Pat's recollection of the story did he say that Bruce had been around and had laid down his guitars first before Madonna's vocal. That very much may be the case. I can't quite see Madonna hanging around to record a demo when she was off to see her husband. Um, so I think this is possibly a re-recording and it's misremembered by Patrick. You could never see. And I feel I have to play you that beautiful B part of the song, emotionally, lyrically, musically, it's just wonderful. And hearing it raw is fantastic. And if you listen really carefully, you can hear Patrick counting in Madonna before she starts singing. If I ran away, I'd never have the strength 
to go very far And how would they hear the beating of my heart? Does it matter that it's not the recording from the day it was written? No, of course not. Not at all. Um, it was still the vocal that took the song to number one in the US, so let's face it, they got the best take in the can in the end. But it's just nice to be able to dissect these songs in a way which they were never intended to be, but to listen to them with fresh ears and perhaps an outsider's view. I hope you enjoy hearing the songs that way, at least. So, that's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. I shall be playing you out with something rare, as ever. But just to say that, uh, carry on listening. There will be another episode soon. I've got a number of interviews lined up, and I really hope they happen. I don't want to tell you what they are until they are recorded. Um, so, watch out for what I say on Twitter, Instagram, or the new Inside the Group Facebook page. And if you want to contact me to talk to me about any of the songs or ask questions, that's the best way to get into touch with me. Next week I'll be covering, well you're going to have to wait and see, I do have a very specific idea and it kind of depends on what happens with one of the possible interviews I'll be doing over the next few days. But do check out the social media and I'll be able to tell you about it then. In the meantime, I'm going to play you out with some of Patrick Leonard's score for At Close Range. It's never been officially released, but obviously everything's out there on the internet, more or less. So I managed to track down this beautiful piece of music, which I'm sure you can hear has a lot of live to tell in it as well. So that seems like a great way to play out this week's episode. Thank you for listening, and you'll hear from me again very soon. <laughs>